A very good morning to you. And wherever you may be, I pray that the Lord be with you. My name is Steve Clark and I'm curate in the Chapelfields Hub. Today is Thursday the 10th of September and we continue our reflections on the theme of creation. We have four Bible references today. Our first one is taken from Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 7 which says I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. Jeremiah 12 verse 4 How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked, the animals and the birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, He will not see what happens to us. Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 17 to 18 As for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another, and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Isaiah chapter 5 verses 8 to 10 and also chapter 24 verses 4 to 6. Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left and you live alone in the land. The Lord Almighty has declared in my hearing, Surely the great houses will become desolate, the fine mansions left without occupants. A ten-acre vineyard will produce only a bath of wine, a homer of seed only an ephah of grain. The earth dries up and withers, the world languishes and withers. The exalted of the earth languish. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore earth's inhabitants are burned up, and very few are left. <coughs> I feel it's first to say that nothing exercises our moralistic muscles more than attempting to live out the biblical understanding 
of human stewardship of creation. We might feel we have a firm grasp on what that means, but under scrutiny, our moral stance might not be as secure as we thought. The modern eco-warriors will prick our environmental conscience with examples of the havoc and devastation that our modern self-centred way of living is having on a global scale. Whilst pointing to the damaged and depleted planet, we are leaving to our children's children, children, children and beyond. As valid and accurate that outlook may be, and as sincere and well-intentioned be the motives behind this alarm call, as Christians we have to be aware of what that ethical stance may be based upon. If the envisaged goal is to change people's attitudes to how they live life in a more caring, environmentally friendly way, by scaring them with shocking images of Armageddon, then it will achieve mixed responses. It's an ethic based on fear and repercussion. The biblical alternative is to present the question, what kind of intention makes an act good? And also provide the answer, an act is good when it is done with God in mind. The Bible is utterly clear from its opening words that there is a person behind creation. Before the universe is even mentioned, the Bible has already introduced us to a person. Behind the lamentations of the great Old Testament prophets we read earlier, is the unmistakable pleading not to forget God, the person who brought creation into being, the one for whom we exist, as our liturgy reminds us. Seeing God in everything does not come naturally. It's a skill to be acquired, an art to be learned. It is one of the tasks required of living a Christian life, and indeed, a human life. God grants us stewardship of creation, to tend for it in his fashion. As the Lord's Prayer emphasises, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God rules in person. On earth, we are to rule in his name, that his rule may come upon earth as it is in heaven. On examination, there is no exploitation in God's rule over us, and therefore there should be no exploitation in our rule over creation. It should be the same sort of protecting, liberating, healing and enabling rule that God exercises over us. The Old Testament prophets graphically display what happens when the Lord is forgotten. 
nature's provision becomes polluted, defiled, greed abounds, and there is widespread willful destruction. Having a person at the heart of reality makes morality a matter of right and wrong, not of taste or preference. All created things have a degree of value in the eyes of their maker, or they would not have been made, and that propels us towards an environmental ethic. If things have a value, it is possible to treat them in a way that respects or violates that value. To know the real value of things is an ongoing process that is in sync with a deepening understanding of our benevolent Creator. In closing, for anyone who might want to journey further into Christian ethics, I can recommend two books that I have found useful. The first one is entitled Café Theology by Michael Lloyd and it's published by Alpha International. And the other is called The Big Questions by Jonathan Hill and published by Lion Hudson. I hope you found this reflection useful and maybe thought-provoking. And I pray that wherever you are, the Lord bless you now and always. Amen.